Hello and welcome to the TIFF podcast, where we explore the world of public health, interviewing registrars, academics and leaders in the profession. The aim of this podcast is to offer a wide panoramic of what specialty training can involve while providing some guidance and inspiration to those who are planning their next placement or who would like to train in public health. This is a special episode as I introduce and hand over to Kazim Bibijon and Josh Hawkins, who will be taking over the podcast going forward. Would you both like to introduce yourselves? Great. Thanks, Dino. Um, so I'm a currently a SD3 registrar uh, in public health in the East of England region. Um, my background is primarily in infectious diseases epidemiology. I've trained in various roles across the UK HSA as well as WHO. Um, and I also completed the field epidemiology training program back in 2019. So I think I discovered this podcast back in 2017 when uh, people may remember SoundCloud was was still a thing. But uh, the podcast certainly helped me contextualize, I guess, the different experiences in public health and learn about the, the range of career paths in public health. So it's great to come full circle. And I'm certainly looking forward to being able to build on the hard work from yourself and, and Shamil. Lovely, thanks. And um, I don't know, I'm Josh. I'm currently in ST2, so my second year of training in public health. I've just finished my master's of public health at the University of Bristol, uh, and I'm an academic trainee. I'm based primarily with the UK Health Security Agency. Um, I come from a clinical medical background, so I've worked in a, a few different settings. Uh, I'm also very much looking forward to working on a podcast. Uh, Kazim and I have lots planned, uh, some really interesting people agreeing to join us for future episodes. I also found previous episodes really helpful in helping me understand more about public health as I was coming into it or looking to come across to public health from clinical medicine. And I just hope we can add to that going forward. And we're going forward now with you taking on <laughs> the microphone now and uh, leading this interview. Kazim. So, Dino, the podcast took a little hiatus over the COVID-19 uh, pandemic very naturally, and you have since completed your training on the Public Health Specialty Programme. What role are you currently in and where do you see yourself heading over the next few years? Do you have any specialist interests that you'd like to pursue? Well, yes, indeed. I mean, the pandemic it made it impossible to run uh, the podcast. Um, and I'm really glad that now at the tail end of it, we are, we are reviving it and opening a new season. So I'm currently a consultant, public health in Gloucestershire County Council. And I uh, lead on population health management and in general healthcare public health. So I work with the integrated care system, integrated care board, and the wider partnerships. Um, I have my, this is my specialist interest. I, I joined public health with the idea of becoming healthcare public health consultant. And um, I, I really love what I do. And I love data, intelligence, and the integration of healthcare, social care, and the integration of wider determinants of health insights into the planning and monitoring and evaluation of, of our systems, our care systems. Where do I see myself in the next few years? Well, there is a little bit of a harder question in the sense that, as we know, ICSs have just come online and public health, the role of public health, the location of public health in the system has historically been changing. So at the moment, I'm in a local authority but I would like to keep working on this subject. So it depends very much 
where public health sits. I am a little bit one of those people that thinks that for healthcare public health, the 2012 reforms um, represented a little bit of a complex step because whilst we gained a lot by being in local authorities in terms of influencing in our relations with uh, the public, with politicians, with place and local communities, we were uh, we lost a little bit in terms of our ability to be in the, um, let's call it the room of the buttons, the room where decisions are made in terms of the NHS. So I think that potentially in the future, I would like to see myself a little bit more uh, linked and belonging to that um, integrated care system, integrated care board, and have uh, bring back public health within uh, the NHS. I find that population health management is a term is fundamentally public health, so I find very, very much at home in that space, and it's it's a new term for for a very old concept, which is evidence based medicine, uh, as as a as let's say an alternative to eminence based medicine that my colleagues know. I repeat quite a lot as a as a as an example, and so yes, I, I see myself in this in this path, and I would like to to grow in this space in population health management. Great. Thanks, Dino. And glad to hear that you, you found that uh, specialist um, space in, in the new new era of uh, ICBs. Dino, you spent over a year running the podcast. Reflecting on your time, what aspects did you enjoy most and what did you learn? Well, to be honest, um, I was in Dudley when I when I met Shamil and I was his, uh, he was my buddy. So we had a buddy system in the West Midlands where I trained and uh, we became friends and he at a certain point had to um, continue his training. He was doing an interdigitated training with general practice. So he didn't seem, didn't see like it would, would have been possible for him to maintain the level of uh, continuity that the podcast required and also wanted to have a next generation uh, take it forward because the podcast is not just an individual's uh, project but it's it's a project in itself in 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 teaching and allowing others to participate in this this activity i i to be honest at the beginning i was a little bit i would say anxious because i had never done anything like this but i am a little bit of a techie i like challenges in terms of uh, setting up something technological and um so for me the podcast has also been like a, a little bit of a dream. I had a lot of friends in university who used to run university radios and I was trying to convince them that recording and putting online was better than having something live at times when people maybe weren't listening. And uh, and we had long debates about the, the potential of podcasts when podcasts were still very much a niche or a little bit of a tacky hobby. And so I took it on with, with enthusiasm. What I discovered is that it's a great way to approach people that you wouldn't really otherwise have a chance to to have a long conversation with and have that conversation, have them speak and, and learn a little bit about their past, their story, their their aspirations. And, and yeah, it's, it's like personally, selfishly, it's been a lot of uh, short mentoring sessions and then obviously opening also a lot of um, worlds that I hadn't, uh, hadn't imagined. So I, I had a lot of lovely interviews with people that took very, very varied uh, career paths. And I wasn't expecting to, to, to have such, a, such an exposure to all of these things in my training. So I thought 
that was a real privilege. And I enjoyed also the feedback that people gave me at times when when they when they liked an episode. And also it's it's great looking at statistics of the podcast. You can see that people are listening from all over the world. So there are people listening from the US, from Canada, from Hong Kong, and um, there are people that then also cite the podcast as a as a key uh, influencer in the decision to pursue a career in public health. And that, that is, is, it makes it all worth. That's great. And I think having that resource published online that myself and, and Kazim, you, med- you mentioned as well, can go back to and listen to uh, if we're looking to get into public health or looking for something new. It's a really valuable thing to have. Great. Thanks, Dino. And um, so speaking of those stories you've been able to tell with the podcast, you've been able to interview some really interesting people. Are there any episodes that particularly stand out to you? Are there any particular favorites that, that you may have? I know it's a very, very hard question from, from running the podcast for such a long time, but are there any favorite episodes that stand out to you? Well, as I, as I said before we started recording, I think this question is very difficult. You're asking me to choose between my children, really, here. Yeah. <laughs> and... I love them all equally, but they're all very different. So, and there is a little bit of a curve. Uh, my first episodes where I felt I, I listened to them again, and I, I feel like I'm very rigid and trying to maintain very much a coherence with with how Shamil was was maintaining the podcast. I wasn't really letting much of my personality come through. And then towards the end, I started interviewing a little bit more freely, without just focusing on on public health careers. And um, I must admit that probably the last episodes, the, the last few episodes are the ones that I prefer. Also because I was, I just enjoyed them more. I was less focused on uh, on the actual technical act. And I started focusing more on the questions, on the meaning. And, and I was able also to listen a little bit more because at the beginning I wasn't really listening to what people were saying. I was really focusing on making sure that everything was working. And so I, I listened to the interview most of the times afterwards when I was editing it really while towards the end um, especially yeah that the interviews that I did with with some of my colleagues in the West Midlands around their political activity in parallel with training or an interview that I'd done with a dear friend of mine uh, who worked for uh, MSF as as an epidemiologist all of those I, I, I did also on site those were episodes that I did in person traveling with a microphone in my backpack to, to interview them in London or elsewhere where they where they work those were the ones i probably um enjoyed the most because they were they were proper you know interviews well yeah we're doing it remotely now ourselves and it's a great it's a great tool but being face to face in a room with a person and having that setting up and 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 pre pre pre-interview moment is is i think quite special so i i must admit i like those And, and and i learned a lot because in reality you you discover that in political convictions there's a lot um, a lot of, um, I would say, family history and motivation in why you, you do politics, and and uh, when you when you do career choices like going to MSF and traveling the world again, it, it's got a big impact in who you are and, and how you you lead your life, and and you realize that public health is 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 all of this. It's, it's one of the most broad specialties that one can imagine. It's why I, I love this specialty, but it's also especially the although it's very broad can can be very deep and so all of these specialties have so much all these paths in the specialty have so much to tell us that i i 
I probably could explore only through a podcast, really, because I couldn't pursue all of these trends. I could just ask others what they encountered when they did it. Great. Thanks, Dino. I think you, you might have touched on it a little bit there, some of the key experiences from running the podcast, you know, meeting people, talking to people, getting a, a greater understanding, um, that listening that you mentioned. Are there any key things um, like that or otherwise that you've learned from running the podcast that you've been able to apply to professional life? I think that the most important lesson I got from, not necessarily just from the podcast, I mean, it would be it would be a truly amazing podcast if it was the only place where I got this message from, but the podcast reinforced this, is that in, in, in your career, it, it makes little sense, I think, to just scope the market and understand what's out there. In reality, the most important thing is to identify what is your passion and what you like doing. Because it's a funny thing. If you're passionate about something, you'll do it very well. And most of the people I interviewed were all passionate about their subject. They 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 built that, that career that probably didn't exist uh, before they, they did that step or or interview or interview into or or started on, on that journey with an idea for a placement or for or for a an application of their skills in a specific subject, uh, a specific area. So I, I, I think I discovered that. I think I, I saw a lot of passionate people that were doing very well their job and were public health consultants or public health specialists or public health academics in their own respective areas with, with authority and, and respected and successful because they were passionate. It wasn't many of the people I interviewed were doing things that were not really the core curriculum of public health but they had invested the skills they gained from the training in an area where they thought it was meaningful and where they, they could find um, satisfaction and, 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 and get up early in the morning and work hard until late and, and not feel like it was work. And that I thought was what I wanted to imitate and what I wanted to follow. So that's, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, that's lovely. And I think I'm also very much looking forward to, to meeting more people, uh, exploring how they feel about the profession I you know I've only been a trainee for it's my second year now but the people that I meet uh, completely agree the the levels of, of passion um, it's it's really uh, it's really good to see and um, very exciting um, it makes you feel very lucky to be working or training in this profession so very much looking forward to using this podcast as a way to to meet more people expand my horizons and, and hopefully show people um you know what we're seeing in professional life yeah i couldn't couldn't agree more josh um but uh dino so speaking of uh you mentioned the stories you've been able to tell uh with the podcast um and you've also mentioned the podcast as a sort of a resource for those working in public health that they can revisit over time um You've been able to cover a number of different themes on the podcast, including politics, as you mentioned, advocacy um, and the role of the voluntary sector. Are there any emerging themes and priorities in public health that you would have liked to have explored but didn't get the chance? Well, I would say that certainly uh, a little bit of a regret, but I can justify why we didn't do it. I, I feel like we could have been active throughout the pandemic and done some episodes covering uh, public health in the pandemic during the height of the COVID-19 
emergency. The point is that, practically speaking, that wasn't really wasn't really easy, both for where I was at the time. I was working for the mayor of London. I I was at the GLA, and and it was it was quite an intense period. It wasn't it wasn't a time when I could I could devote a lot of my um, my um, bandwidth to organizing interviews, and I felt maybe a little bit inappropriate at times because of the the the, the the way that everybody was sort of hands on deck at the time, but yes, it's, it would have been great to have had that opportunity of documenting uh, live uh, with with a with a recurrent stream of podcast what was happening. But in reality, uh, I think it can still be done. So I think it's up to you now, maybe to build a little bit of historical memory. It's still very fresh in everyone's mind, and I don't think the COVID nineteen pandemic is is even over yet. If we see what's happening in China just these days. I think that there's still plenty to 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 happen and plenty to to talk about and plenty to explore. The 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 big uh, inquiry, the national inquiry, just getting started. So there is plenty plenty of things to sink your teeth into. I think personally, another one of the the things that I think I could have explored more was I, I had a, a few interviews uh, slated for that period when I moved to London, and one that I really would like to to still do, and I probably might come back to do it myself is the interview that I wanted to do with Ed Jessop, who is the the person that so, for so many years organized the the um, the training days for preparing Part A, the the professional exam that we have all to pass. And uh, I've always found him a really inspiring figure. How he organized this this course relentlessly year after year, and he became he became a bit of an institution. I I promised him I would interview him, and then. The events and me moving to London, a lot of us, um, we, we were basically always in the opposite place. He was in Birmingham, I was in London, and vice versa. And we never managed to make it happen. So if he's listening, I, I will probably send him an email and and try to reorganize that interview that it's it's been missing from from the from the calendar for so long. Yeah, no, thanks, Dino. It was on the, on the COVID point. Um, I think that's certainly something we will explore on the podcast. It, it does feel like public health is in a bit of a reflective period um being through the 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 worst phases i guess of the covid-19 pandemic so yeah it's certainly something that we will um, be covering in future episodes great i i look forward to listen to them it'll be good to have you back as well uh it sounds like a good episode it will be a good episode i'm sure um i know the course helped a lot of people uh, get through a very tough exam yeah, it's a real shame that the, I mean, a real shame is normal, I guess. But he had to, he had to stop doing it. And um, I think uh, those of uh, the new generation that want to attend it with Ed in person are probably missing out. So yeah, it'd be great if we had recorded a few of his, a few of his lessons. It would have been great to to share them. You mentioned the the pandemic and, and just focusing back on on your training in public health through a pandemic. The training always takes a few years, of course, but through that time, it, it must have felt like a lifetime. How different do you feel now compared to when you started training? Was there a point during that where you felt comfortable to transition to your consultant role? Well, yeah, 
it didn't really feel like a lifetime, to be honest. I think it flew because I never thought, I never felt that the training was the only time when I was studying public health. I realized that I love public health because even when I was working as a doctor in a hospital, I was always looking at public health aspects of what I was doing. I was looking at the organizational, the data, the, the integration of, of, of digital tools. I was looking at how the different um, training paths of different professionals were intertwined or separated. I was looking at how professionals collaborated well or not so in reality i i formally joined the training at a certain point but I, I felt that i was always looking at these aspects even back in italy where i trained medical school i did a lot of political activity within the, the student representatives and um and even nationally looking at quotas for specialty training access I just realized that I've come full circle. We are now back to a point where the NHS is looking at these aspects as, as crucial to maintaining um, a healthcare system uh, working. So I, I, I think that yeah, I don't, I don't feel very much different. I feel that I've, I've, I've covered some ground and I got to where I wanted to be. And uh, in terms of when I felt comfortable, when I first felt comfortable to be a consultant, I, I think that probably that happened in reality. Before I became formally a consultant, it was during the pandemic, uh, both in London and in Birmingham, in my last two placements, where I was asked to act up to a consultant level that I started finding a little bit my own voice. And due to the fact that we were all so stretched and there was a need for uh, rapid decisions and, 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 and that, that concept of whole hands on deck, I, I got a little bit of space to, to actually experiment with, with my own individual decision making with a little bit more responsibility. And I don't think I probably felt comfortable immediately, but I started to transition to consultant role at that at that stage. And I think I, I would really recommend everybody does that at the end of their training, either after they're actually qualified or and they're looking for a job or when they have an opportunity with a certain placement towards their ST4, ST5, because it's, it's a moment where you're still uh, safety netted in a sense. You have a senior consultant or director of public health there to help you but not not that you won't have it later but you're, you're still a trainee effectively but you can experiment a little bit with the role and and explore what that means in, in practical terms before you apply for a job where uh, you know you don't want to discover that that role in that job doesn't really fit your your inclinations or your attitudes or your, your your skills so i think it's a it's a good moment so yeah that's that's when i started feeling comfortable uh being a consultant and and I think helped a lot to apply for jobs as well. That's great. We're very lucky, I think, you know, coming into it to get those rotations into really quite vastly different areas of, of public health in, in all its way. Um, and going forward, I know we're, we're going to be looking at getting registrars, current registrars or people who have done interesting placements coming through, uh, hopefully to showcase a few of those, um, which would be great. Kazim as well, just uh, Dina mentioned about recruitment, um, I think particularly to public health, but you might have been to, to every aspect of medicine, but recruitment to public health and, and diversity. I know you've been involved recently on the report about diversity recruitment um, into the public health training scheme. And just thinking about future episodes, I'm sure it'll be something we cover, won't it? Definitely. It's um, it's something that come out that's that's come out recently um looking at the diversity of the uh, public health specialty program um and essentially finding that there are certain groups and in particular ethnicities that are 
less likely um, to be successfully appointed to the training program. So it's certainly a theme that we will um, explore over the podcast, um, as well as the sort of broader topic of what does a well-equipped public health workforce look like um, in order to you know, meet the challenges that meet the public health challenges over the next you know twenty years or so. So, yeah, to completely agree. It's something that it will uh, that we will um, explore um, in, in in future episodes. That sounds like an interesting episode. I want to listen to. <laughs> I like it's... it when when the, the podcast becomes something that I will have to put on my on my own alerts and push notifications because that, that, that feels like a properly handed over. Yeah. Thanks, Dino. Just a, a bit on your point about um, when you felt comfortable um, to that transition to a consultant role, when it came to sort of developing your leadership skills over your training, did you feel that was the period towards the end of your training that you, you felt like you really developed your your leadership style and skills and that kind of thing or, or do you think it was something that you slowly developed over the the, the training program i i you see I, with, with leadership style for me i think it's um it's a question of where you're working i don't think there is one leadership style that works everywhere and in every role so it depends very much on the situation your team what you want to achieve who are your partners so i don't i think that the best leadership style is a, is an adaptive one and, and, and one that can be humble when needed and can be uh, authoritative and, and, and proper leading when instead appropriate. So I, I, I think I, I experimented with different leadership styles in different situations and I, I'm glad that I did because that gives you that uh, flexibility that is needed, I think, to be a proper leader in, in a system where... Let's be honest, nobody understands everything and nobody's competent in, in everything. You have to trust a wide team that may may well be much larger than your own organization. It might go beyond the walls of your of your institution or your or your, your system even. And you have to trust people that, especially during the pandemic, are behind a camera or not even behind a camera, just a voice. And, and I think that was um the biggest lesson i mean it is that that building trust and uh um being respected but also respecting others so that it's reciprocal i think it's it's a, it, it was the way that i i developed my leadership style and, and the pandemic was an accelerator for a lot of us because we were all um pushed into roles that would have probably been years in the making for for peacetime let's say while the covid pandemic accelerated really the, the growing up of a whole generation of public health consultants. So it was it was a really sad and traumatic time, but also a very important time and 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 very powerful for many. Great, thanks, thanks, Dino. And uh, we do actually have a future episode with um, the president of the Association of Directors of Public Health talking about that uh, exact point you made about um, introspective and adaptive leadership. So. Um, yeah, look out for that episode. Yeah, thank you. Lovely. Um, so do you know a, a new tradition we would like to end episodes with is to ask our guests for one career tip to those pursuing a career in public health. So is there one thing that you wish you would have known as a new trainee looking back? As I said, this is something that 
no educational supervisor. I'm one now officially, but no educational supervisor should tell you, but I think it's it's important to know and it's something that um, other registrars told me when I was um, at the beginning of, of public health training that the point is in public health training compared to a lot of other medical specialties where uh, things might be a little bit more rigid and you might you might get literally deployed to certain places. In public health, it's a bit different. And I think it's one of the the main attraction of the specialty for those that suffer a little bit from the militaristic organization of other, of other paths, of training paths. It's that in public health, you should never take no for an answer. So if you have a good idea for a placement, if you have a passion, if you want to go somewhere and do something with someone in a university or in an institution, international organization, or even with a company or with, with a group of uh, innovators or, or, or local leaders, you can do it as long as you make a very good compelling case for that being important for your training or meaningful for public health. You, you, you will get yes eventually because our, our curriculum is very broad, very open, very flexible. And the training itself is different. So we are uh, a resource for the system, but we are not service resources. So we we are a little bit supernumerary, and we can also contribute to an external perspective to organizations which are a lot more static than a lot static in terms of, of team composition than the the hospital teams that other medical specialties have, where uh, the, the name of the game is flux, and everybody changes every six months at most. So I think my advice is really do not take no for an answer and chase those opportunities while you're training because you may not get this opportunity again because then life catches on and you, you get into more rigid pathways with, with actually proper jobs and contracts and uh, you regret maybe looking back not having taken that leap of faith into a left field placement or, or something a little bit more... Um, important like a national treasurer taking those six months a year abroad to do some international public health so they're all opportunities and they're all possible as long as again it's uh it's 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 built around a good compelling case for why you want to do that and why you need it and why your training will benefit and why eventually your your training will benefit the community that you return to it's good advice i'm uh i'm inspired uh Thank you. Um, Kazim, have you got any more any more questions? No, just thanks for um, for, for, for joining us, uh, Dino. And um, yeah, thanks for trusting us with, uh, with, the, with the podcast. And I hope me and Joss are able to, to do it justice. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I'm always here. If you need me for advice, I'm always here. Me and Shamil are always available. And I'm sure that, uh, that the podcast can only grow with, with the energy and passion of a new generation of registrars. Thank Dino, you. thank you. And, uh, and Shamil, thank you as well. And yeah, really looking forward to taking this forward. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, guys.